To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to the men and women, uh, the uh, visitors and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God upon which we base our message on this last Sunday of the church year is the Old Testament reading that you heard read before from Malachi chapter 3. I recall just these words. You have used harsh words against me, says the Lord. You ask, how have we spoken against you? You have said, it's pointless to serve God. What do we gain if we meet his standards or if we walk around feeling sorry for what we have done? In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who truly is King of kings and Lord of lords and rules over all, my beloved. Did you ever hear somebody say, I don't go to church because there's just too many hypocrites there? Did you ever really think about how ignorant that, that statement is? Because a hypocrite is somebody who's making believe on the outside something different than what's on the inside in the person's heart. And the only person that I know that can read another person's heart is God himself. Now it's true that um, there might be some Christians who don't live actually the uh, Christian exemplary life that they should, but still nobody can read their hearts. Only God can. Because Jesus is God, Jesus could read hearts. And he who knew who the hypocrites were, Matthew 23 says, Jesus was speaking, he said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed graves that look beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead people's bones and every kind of impurity. So on the outside, you look as though you have God's approval but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Now, the book of Malachi before us this morning also talks about hypocrites, people who were really hypocrites. People who were going through the motion of worship, but they really didn't care very much about God at all. Malachi gives some examples of their hypocrisy earlier in his prophecy, in fact, in chapter 1. He said that people were bringing junk sacrifices to the Lord in the form of blind animals. You know, God uh, required the people in the Old Testament to bring sacrifices, specifically on one festival, lambs. But that one-year-old male lamb had to be perfect, no broken bones, no sicknesses, no whatever, because that was a picture of Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God who was to come to take away the sins of the world. But Malachi says, you people are despising and contaminating God's altars by bringing lame and sick animals. He even calls them out. He says, you know, you would never bring that kind of an offering to a, a, a governor or a visitor from state. You would present your best. But to me, you're just giving junk things. Another thing that people were thinking was that uh, worship and sacrifice was just sort of a nuisance. But uh, 
as they sort of sniffed at it in disgrace. Sort of like the person, you know, who throws a little offering God's ways now and again just to keep their name on the roster of the church. Or thinks that uh, Sunday worship is sort of an imposition that takes you away from the really important things that you got to do on Sunday morning. And God also says that these people were cheating God. They really did have good animals in their flocks, and they pledged them to the Lord. But when the time came for sacrificing, they give second-rate animals. You and I, God tells us in Holy Scripture, are to present our bodies as living sacrifices to God in worship every day. Which makes us ask the question, what kind of sacrifices are we offering to our God? Of our time, our efforts, our offerings. Can we always say that they're first-rate, God, just for you? Or something less? And then the priests were also accepting second-rate sacrifices. They should have rejected them. But they were sort of just going through the motions, too. They weren't teaching the people the difference between right and wrong. So bring whatever kind of offerings you want. And then divorce was rampant. And God says in Malachi, I hate divorce because it's a result of being unfaithful or unforgiving one to the other or both. And then the people were also cheating God because in the Old Testament, God said, I want you to bring one-tenth of your earnings to me. But they just gave him his leftovers, their leftovers. And so God says, return to me in repentance. Return to me and I will return to you. But that wasn't the worst. The worst act of the hypocrites is that they were being critical of God. And so God tries to call them out. He says, you have harsh words against me. They say, why? What have we done? And God tells them, he says, you're calling me unfair. You're saying, we worship a God who's unfair. It's pointless to serve him. I mean, take a look around the world. Evil is always rewarded, and goodness seems to be punished. I mean, don't we have the temptation to think that, too? We take a look around the world, and we see so many Christians being persecuted and actually dying for their faith, and we say, where is God? Why is he letting this all happen? The people said, why should we follow God's commands? Why should we repent? Doesn't seem to do any good. In fact, we'll even go so far, far, God, to tell you that you actually bless arrogant people. And evildoers are encouraged because they get away with it. Is there a little bit of hypocrite in all of us? What's really in it for me for being a Christian? The wicked aren't living right, and yet God doesn't seem to care. Maybe it doesn't seem to matter the way I live. The rest of the world's doing all that bad stuff, and they get away with it. And you and I recognize, too, we are living in a world where good and evil are blurred. Abortion is called pro-choice. Pro-life is talked about as being an ignorant type of philosophy because you're taking away from a woman her control of her own body. Roe versus Wade, abortion wins. 
And what you Christians should never ever do is even get into a discussion about homosexuality in any way, shape, or form because that's hate speech. And don't talk to us about same-sex marriage because that's sexual preference. Those are equal rights. And divorce, that's okay too as long as it's for irreconcilable differences. The unbelieving world in which we're living euphemizes evil and gets away with it. Why does God allow it to happen? But believe you me, God is fair. And his fairness and his justice ultimately is displayed in two places. The cross and the second coming of Jesus Christ. The cross certainly differentiates between good and evil. On the cross, justice was carried out. Sin was punished. God didn't spare his innocent son so that he could save guilty sinners. He sends a substitute so his father can forgive even people who question his fairness. And so that he can spare us on the last day and call us his jewel and his prized possession. Ever have any questions as to why it seems as though God is not differentiating between good and evil, between punishment and reward? You know, the psalmist Asaph in Psalm 73 asked the very same question 3,000 years ago, and I'm sure that all of you who are reading the Psalms in your appointment with Jesus read Psalm 73 this past week. Asaph says, God is truly good to Israel, to those who live pure lives. But my feet had almost stumbled, they had almost slipped, because I was envious of arrogant people when I saw the prosperity that wicked people enjoy. They suffer no pain, their bodies are healthy, they have no drudgery in their lives like ordinary people, they are not plagued with problems like others. They ridicule, they speak maliciously, they speak arrogantly about oppression, they verbally attack heaven, and they order people around on earth. That is why God's people turn to wickedness and swallow their words. Then wicked people ask, what does God know? Does the Most High know anything? Look how wicked they are. They never have a worry. They grow more and more wealthy. But when I tried to understand this, it was too difficult to me. Only when I came into God's holy place did I finally understand what would happen to them. On the last day, good and evil are not going to be blurred. My favorite verse out of Psalm 73 is, but when I tried to understand this, it was too difficult for me. Only when I came into God's holy place did I finally understand what would happen to them. You see, believers get together every Sunday and many other times during the week in church here with one another to talk about the fairness of God, how he does forgive sins and how he does save those who believe. And God pays attention to us, and he listens to our conversations. And he knows that you have doubts right now about how he seems to be handling things in this world. And so we get together when we have thoughts like that. 
to sustain and to support each other and to encourage one another to be faithful and to recognize that God is fair. And for the faithful ones, Malachi says, all of your names are written in the book of life so that he will never forget you. And he also talks in this, these words from Malachi that the final justice on the last day is when arrogant unbelievers will be like straw. He says they will bur- be burned up and you will trample on their ashes. But you won't be burned. You will simply be warned, warmed by the Son of Righteousness. And so Malachi They will be mine, says the Lord of armies. On that day, I will make them my special possession. That's you. I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then you will again see the difference between righteous people and wicked people, between the one who serves God and the one who doesn't serve him. Concluding with the words of St. James, chapter 5. Brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord comes again. See how farmers wait for their precious crops to grow. They wait patiently for fall and spring rains. You too must be patient. Don't give up hope. The Lord will soon be here. And so we say in the words of St. John, Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We take this time to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards.